Hi everyone, welcome to the God Attachment Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christians who want to understand why they relate to God, themselves, and the church in the way that they do. I explore how our early childhood experiences with our parents influence how we relate. I discuss how we can find healing from the pain, confusion, doubt, fear, and anger experienced in these relationships. If you're interested in learning more about your attachment style and how to heal from the pains and struggles you've experienced, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. I'm happy you're here. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the God Attachment Healing Podcast. I'm here with a friend of mine, Christy Cooper. This is Tyler Cooper's wife, and I interviewed Tyler Cooper a couple of months ago on the same topic of how to trust God during times of difficulty. And Christy agreed to do this episode, and um, I'm sure that it's going to be a blessing because it's going to get the um, woman's perspective, the mother's perspective on what it's like to go through this process. So Christy, thank you again for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, um, I'm excited to share in a sense, our story of our losses and hard times, but, Mm. um, I, I'm always looking for opportunities to share it. So I appreciate you having, having me on here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we go way back, you know, I knew Tyler and Christy way back in old school church and we, Mm -hmm. they did youth ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry together and then they moved a couple of times and it seems like you guys have now found a, a place where you're settling in oh we are for sure settled and okay. here in virginia yeah we're That's not going good. anywhere <laughs> good good and you still have family is family close by or are they yeah so my like and i grew up in Fredericksburg, virginia um and i told god i would never live here after i moved out in college but look where i am now my kids yeah. are in the same christian school that i went to really? my family's okay. all here yeah and my really? family's all here tyler has a job he loves mm-hmm. i have a business here so we are very happy that god um did not listen to me and <laughs> right. us back here. <laughs> yes yes that's that's crazy how that works how we tell god no and he does the opposite Often right. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And what are you doing? Um, you said you have a business that you're working. I know I had seen posts about that before, but would you mind telling the audience a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So I um, decided when we moved to Fredericksburg, um, I had had some, some work group before where I had um, worked at places, but I didn't like the fact it's healthcare. It's, I'm an occupational therapist. I oftentimes mm-hmm. found myself having to choose between my job and my ethics. And mm-hmm. so I decided <clears throat> I'm a mom with two kids under the age of two and I want flexibility and I don't want to um, put my bow, like I didn't want to choose between my job and my ethics. Mm-hmm. So I decided why not start my own business? So I started a, a community and home-based occupational therapy practice where we work with kids um, in their homes and in their schools. So um, it's just a small business, me and a couple other um, therapists, and we're all moms just doing a little bit of work trying to raise our kids. So <laughs> That's awesome. It's that's fun. awesome. And that's what you went to school for, and it's cool that you were able to use that as a, as a business to open up a business yes. and keep your ethics it's and a- values at heart. Yeah, and it's really nice because we don't shy away from the fact that we are a Christian business. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the therapists are Christians with a biblical worldview, and we get to tell parents, like, mm-hmm. yeah, your child has weaknesses, but God has created them with the brain and the ability to make new connections. And mm-hmm. 
they don't have to stay with, they don't always have to have these struggles. We can, you know, change this because of the way God's made our bodies. So it's neat to be able to see it as a ministry. Oh yeah. And you're ministering to both the parents and to the children. So that's, that's a really cool part of it as well. And I think often, I guess, oftentimes you see yourself kind of um, uh, speaking to the children through the parents because you're also training the parents how to respond and so on so that's really cool well christy um we are doing this interview for a very difficult topic for a Mm -hmm. lot of people out there either because it's not talked about as much or when it is it's people don't really know how to respond to it right and and we're talking about uh, miscarriage and loss uh losing uh, a child and um, knowing that you've experienced that, you and Tyler have experienced that uh, twice. And you were talking earlier about kind of that's that's a rarity, right? Um, so before kind of diving into that, one of the things I think helps a lot of people um, understand a little bit of background is how do we grow up or what were we taught by our parents growing up? Because that shapes how, in a lot of ways how we respond to the trials of life. So um, if you don't mind sharing uh, just a little bit of background of what it was like growing up for you with your parents, kind of what did they teach you about God um, that maybe helped you uh, throughout this uh, situation a couple of years ago? Okay. Yeah. When I first um, got your, your question of, you know, what, what did I learn from my parents? I'm like, well, I have no idea where to even start. And I couldn't really think of anything that they actually said. Mm. Um, but the first the things that came to my mind is that my parents saw and cared for people physically and spiritually. And it was how they lived that out. So my mom was gifted with the gift of hospitality. Mm. Um, and so she would, my dad and her would find out that there's a family in need who needs a home. And we had no idea that like at dinner one night, a family of six was going to show up with their dog and they were going to stay for nine plus months and live with us. Oh, wow. like, that just happened on occasion a couple times growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because my parents saw somebody in need and they truly believe and lived out the fact that their home and their financial resources are not theirs. They are the Lord's and they're stewards of them. Um, so I think that's where I saw my parents meet physical needs of people, just like Mm -hmm. God sees our physical and spiritual needs. Um, And then my dad specifically with spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad is very involved in what's called CBMC or Christian Businessmen's Connection. Mm -hmm. And basically it's evangelizing and discipleship of men in the business world. So he's been really involved in that. And, you know, I, from a young age, he hung out with unbelievers and he would pray for these men fervently either until they accepted the Lord or until they died every day, he would pray for them. And so um, I think that the thing that really sticks out to me is, and what they've taught me by their actions is that God sees and cares for us Mm -hmm. and we need to do the same. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that will tie back later when I talk a little bit more about, some of these other questions, but that's yeah, what yeah. me. You know, it was really interesting that you said they didn't really tell me anything, but I saw a lot. I saw them do ministry with their hands. Like I saw the things that they did and that influenced yeah. me. And it's interesting because I think when we go through uh, the experience or when we see people go through a miscarriage or the loss of a child, like instead of our natural inclination is to try to say the right thing. 
right? But the inclination, what seems to help more is presence, right? Mm -hmm. Presence and action. So in those in those situations, we see a lot of love and grace from, from people. So um, what experiences have taught you about God's love and grace? It sounds like you had very uh, loving parents, very minister, heart-oriented. But um, yeah, do you have any other experience that taught you about God's love and grace? Yeah, I think um, anybody who's married will say, like, it takes love and grace <laughs> mm-hmm. to work and have a, a marriage that lasts. And that's true. But I think for Tyler and I, uh, we're, we've been married for 11 years and mm-hmm. super grateful for this gift of marriage. Um, but the I think over the last three and a half years, so we um, lost our daughter, Trinity, uh, in April 2020, mm-hmm. and then our son, Josiah, in uh, May 2021. Mm-hmm. And I think overall, um, we did things well as far as grieving. Um, but when people, when we're both sinners and we're human and we're hurting, we're going to say and react in ways mm-hmm. that require the other person to give love and grace. <laughs> so I think um, we've seen God's love and grace um, from other people he's brought into our lives, especially over the last few years, but just even in our marriage and towards one another, especially in these darker times, we've seen that. Wow, that's great. That's really good. And and you're right, you know, sometimes that's what flushes out um, those aspects that maybe we also are, are working through. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I think I, I heard was um, how men and women experience the, the loss of a child or, or going through a miscarriage, you know, mm-hmm. men tend to kind of isolate, kind of be thinking to themselves and thinking of solutions or something like that, and maybe even get too involved in work and kind of use that as a mild distraction. And maybe for moms, it's like the, I mean, you're carrying the child for a number of weeks, months, and so on. So you're building this connection and it's, it's a different experience. At least it seems like yeah. that, but can you share a little bit about that? Like, what were the differences or how did you feel? and then make a contrast to what you were seeing in, in Tyler and how he was responding to it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been um, differences. I think in the beginning, we both reacted the same. We're just shocked. We're just crushed. We we don't know what the next step is or how we're gonna move forward. Mm. But I am so thankful. I think Tyler might've shared this when he was on, but we had a couple who we were more acquaintances with. We didn't know Mm -hmm. them great, but they were from our church and they immediately reached out to us like within days Mm -hmm. and shared with us that they had had a stillborn, I think it was like 10 years, eight or 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just said, expect for the grieving to look the same at first, but you guys are going to start grieving differently because of how you're wired mm. men and women mm. and do not become resentful of one another when that happens. Mm. And I am so thankful that we were given that advice because um, if we had not been, I can totally see myself becoming very upset with Tyler because he grieved by keeping himself busy and mm. doing dishes and playing with the kids. And he wasn't like, he cried but not like I was sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I just could not function. And I'm like, what's wrong? I would have been, what do you, did you not love our baby? Like I loved our baby, you know, had, had somebody not said that to me, mm-hmm. but what I under, came to understand is when Tyler was back 
vacuuming and doing the dishes and mowing the lawn and just keeping busy. That was his way of grieving. And he might as well have been sobbing in bed with me. It just looked different. Um, So that's one big difference. Um, You had also mentioned it is different because we carried that baby. Mm. Regardless of how long we did, um, it does change, I think, with the time. I want to be careful how I say this. Um, With the time that you are pregnant, you feel more of that baby. Mm. as they develop. So it is going to be different. Um, there are some people that I, I, I want to be careful because some people have come out and said, well, I, I didn't want to tell you that I've experienced this because I was only eight weeks or 13 mm. weeks. And to me, as believers, we believe in life at conception. So if you're like one week gestation or 20 weeks gestation or 40 weeks gestation, mm. that is a life worth celebrating and a life worth grieving just the same. So, but with that said, so the grief is grief, regardless of how far along we were, but it is different as far as how your body responds and connects. For me, I was far enough along where I had felt flutters. Mm. And so when I was no longer pregnant, my body would still play tricks on me and I still felt pregnant sometimes. And I still felt like I was movement yeah so like a phantom movements um and so that that along with i don't know that people always think through it and again it's different with every story but for me i ended up having to deliver both of our babies and um and so there was still that same postpartum healing that happens after you have a normal birth or like milk comes in and you have this reminder that you're supposed to feed a baby, but there is no baby for you to feed. So there for the woman is a, I guess a gift in a sense for the man. I don't know. It depends on how you view it. There's these, this constant physical reminder of what you don't have and to make matters worse, your body is playing tricks on you. It feels like. Mm. So I think those, and then just another difference that comes to mind is um, the dates I think it's a gift that God has given men to not remember, or maybe it's just my man. I don't know, <laughs> but um, he, he knows around the same times, but like, I remember every date, like the date that we had the ultrasound, you know, where we heard those terrible words, the date that we delivered, the date that we buried our child, the, the due date, like all of the dates times two, I remember them all. And, you know, we're two and three years removed but even like we just had trinity's third third anniversary of her burial july 18th just a few days ago and all of july this was on in my mind i was Mm -hmm. already grieving in the first of july tyler was wouldn't have been aware until i told him which is not a fault of his it's just that we're different yeah that, that that's a huge huge difference and and you explained that very well the aspect of physically changing, mentally. What about spiritually, Christy? Did, did anything spiritual change? I know, um, you know, when people go through difficult times, one of the things that you start to see that's, um, I don't know if I wouldn't say exposed, but that comes out is their view of God changes. Maybe because it's happened once and it was really tough, or if something continues to happen, like our view of God starts to change. And I'm wondering if you if you noticed anything in the way that you started to view God, like if you had a high view of God, did that lower or if you had a lower view of God, did it get better? Like, can you 
walk us through that experience? Sure. Um, I think that overall, it positively positively affected my view of God. And I already had a positive view of God, but I think that through these experiences, I learned to feel what I knew to be true. Like God is Mm. present. God comforts us. Um, He is going to heal us. It might take time. I am still, well, you're, you're the professional. I am still in the healing phase. Um, (laughs) of this, I feel like. So um, we knew, so I just vividly remember, especially, well, both, both experiences, but our first experience with loss was when we had lost Trinity and laying in that hospital room. And this was our first time ever having to face this and Mm. acknowledging that um, Tyler and I just had a very clear conversation. This is, um, a, a great opportunity for Satan to mm. get in and divide us and try to cause problems in our marriage. And our babies, I mean, death is the result of sin. Our babies are gone because of sin. Mm. And there is no way that we were going to let the deaths of our children be a allow the devil to get the foothold in our marriage or with us personally in our walk with the Lord, because he had already, that had already taken our child from us. If that makes any sense. I don't know if I said that clearly, but um, so we just decided, you know, we can either turn from God all that we know to be true, or we can lean in together into the promises that we know as he is the only one that is going to sustain us and walk through with us and comfort us and heal us. Mm. Um, and so overall, I think it, it positively changed my view, not changed, but enhanced, I guess, my view yeah. of God. Um, mm. now, and we also chose names of our children so that any time that we say their name or think of them, we're reminded of the promises of God. Wow. So, um, yeah. that's kind of part of what I have to share. I mean, Trinity yeah. alone is... Mm -hmm. a prime example of the God because God, the father loved us, you know, he sent his son Jesus so that we can have the hope of eternity with our entire family together, Mm -hmm. knowing that the Holy spirit is going to be at work within us as Christians to Mm -hmm. help us as we move through these times and intercede for us when we're speechless. That's powerful, Christy. That's powerful. And, and, and with the names that you're right they're they're they carry this, uh, this weight of meaning and was that was the name chosen before i know parents some parents wait till the baby is born to name the child or they do it before did you guys have the name chosen before or afterwards so i actually i i I believe that god placed the name trinity her middle name is elise trinity elise Mm, and elise means pledge to god Mm -hmm. um he put that name on my heart when i was pregnant with our first son Mm. but then we went on to have two healthy living sons. So Mm -hmm. Ellie and Cohen. Um, And then I didn't have a dot. We decided we didn't, Tyler and I don't agree on names at all. (laughs) So after, (laughs) after our first son, we decided we're never going to look at names until we know what sex the baby is. So that will just cut our battles in half automatically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when we went to the anatomy scan for, for Trinity, we didn't really have, we hadn't really talked about it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Trinity Elise is always a name that I've loved since I was pregnant with my first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did not know until we delivered her if she was going to be a girl or a boy. And we mm-hmm. had very limited time to come up with a name. And so we just, you know, Trinity Elise is like the perfect name for her because of what the Trinity is going to mean to us. And anytime mm-hmm. we talk about her, we get to share the gospel. And then Elise means pledge to God. Again, I didn't know that this was going to be for her story. I didn't know that this name was going to be hers with her story, but pledge to God. I mean, our children, as much as we love them, they're not ours. And it's such a reminder mm-hmm. that we are stewards of the time that we have with them, whether it is eight weeks gestation or 60 years, whatever, we're stewards of our children and they're, they belong to God. Yeah. I mean, and then um, we named Josiah after, after we lost Trinity, we did not wait. We ended up getting blood work done um, at nine weeks. So we knew the sex of him. So we did name him immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name means God heals or supports. And um, it was our prayer that God would heal and support us and by this gift of a new baby. Mm-hmm. God did not answer our prayer the way we wanted him to. Sure. But yeah. it's still a reminder that even though he didn't answer it the way we had hoped and wanted, that God is still for us and he is still here and he is still healing us and he is still here to support us. Um, so there's <laughs> that's the answer I have. No, that's good. I mean, I, I think, like I said, I think a lot of people who are listening are going to connect with that because especially so if you're listening right now, um, be sure to look back at or listen to Tyler's um, experience so you can see how both is because I think it's going to help both parents in a lot of ways kind of cope with this. This happens one out of four pregnancies, right, Christy? And then you right. said the, the second time, what was the percentage for it to happen again? So the- so the chance of a miscarriage happening um, after the first trimester is less than 1%. Mm. So, um, you know, after we lost Trinity, uh, we had had, because I had had issues with blood pressure in my previous pregnancies um, with her, we immediately started going to a high-risk doctor um, just to monitor my blood pressure. So we were actually gifted with extra ultrasounds and times that we got to see her on ult- on ultrasound before um, she passed away. Mm. But it's less than 1% chance. And so everything was healthy. Like she was a healthy little girl. We had no answers. Usually it's like a chromosomal issue or a blood clotting disorder with the mother. Um, I've gone to all these specialists and there's just no answer. And mm-hmm. so we were told it's just a fluke and you can go ahead and have another healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that thinking, oh, well, it's less than 1% chance. What's the chances it would happen again? we um, tried to have another baby and then we lost him at 16 weeks. Again, everything was healthy. Chromosomally, everything was fine. We just have to, um, I think a lot of times for me, it would be easy, a lot easier to process if I had an answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've had to learn to just trust that I'm not going to know and be okay with that. Yeah. So sometimes that's a struggle. Mm Mm-hmm. And I bet that was that that that's hard. I mean that that, I mean the experience itself, and then you hear the statistic, and that gives you like this hope, right? Like I'm a, this is going to work out fine, and then it happens. So, 
for yourself, um, what was was there any difference for you between the first um, loss and the second loss? Like, did you respond differently? Did you expect it? I think Tyler spoke about because I had gone through it, I felt more prepared. He said, "Yes, that." So yes, um, but I there was a lot of hard steps, especially for me, mm. um, that we had to go through. So for the first. Um, you know, hearing the words, no heartbeat, it's just crushing. Mm. Um, and then you realize you have to tell your children that there is no sibling coming home. Oh, and yeah. then you have to, we like, I just remember sitting in the, in the car sobbing and making all the phone calls to all of our, all the people that were waiting, all the family mm-hmm. and having to tell them over and over again, the news mm-hmm. and having to go and tell our children and set, tell our children, our baby died, but God is still good. And he still cares for us, even when we don't feel it in the mm. moment. Um, and then, yeah, and then I had to deliver the baby. And what people may not know um, is that for a person who has to, who's far enough along where they have to deliver their baby, they're in the delivery ward where they're hearing other people having babies, other oh, newborn yeah. crying. And the hospital we had, there was a twinkle, twinkle little star played over the loudspeakers every time a baby was born. And I'm laying there Uh waiting to deliver my baby who's not going to be alive. Mm. Um, So there's all of these hard things. And then like we, you know, I think thankfully we got to hold our babies. Mm -hmm. It was sweet and terrible all at the same time where for, you know, in a sense, I'm thankful that I had the opportunity. Had I been somebody in my first trimester, you don't get that opportunity. Um, but then you have to hand your baby over knowing you're never going to see them again. And because our babies were not 20 weeks by the medical field, they are considered just trash. Like they were going to go out with the trash. Um, but I was like, no, this is a baby and we're going to treat her with dignity or him with dignity. Mm. And so I had to figure out while I'm waiting to deliver this baby, do I cremate? Do we bury? Where do we bury? How much is that going to cost us? And like mm-hmm. all of these ins and outs, just trying to fight for the dignity of their life, you know? Wow. Um, so yeah, like Tyler said there, and there's a lot of, there's just, there's even more just hard things. Like Tyler was going to get the car, but I had to be wheeled out through the maternity ward with my little white memory box of like their hand and feet molds. And I mm-hmm. felt like, as a mom, a failure. Like I felt like a sore thumb sticking out and nobody was actually judging me, but I felt judged. I felt like I, my body didn't do what it's supposed to do. And I was a failure being wheeled out with my little white box instead of my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it came to Josiah, I already knew all the hard things we were going to have to do. Mm-hmm. I already knew that my body was going to play tricks with my mind. Um, so in that sense, it made it more bearable. But it didn't make it any less hard because grief is grief and the babies are different babies. They're different lives worth celebrating, different hopes. And, you know, we're excited for this baby. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it just made it more bearable that we already knew all the hard things that were to come. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, that's heavy, Christine. It's heavy. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are connecting connecting with that and, and empathizing with the situation. Now it's been, you said three years since then. So yeah, we lost Trinity in uh, three years in April and then Josiah was two years. 
10 years. Yeah. And, and, and how does that, how do you reflect on that today? So I'm trying to think of, you know, if I have something that's very vivid for me and that's memorable, like, I, you know, I remember, for example, when Bo was born, he was our firstborn, mm-hmm. right? And I remember mm-hmm. the whole scene and everything. Um, but the, the other aspect, I don't feel like I was when I was there at that time. Do you feel, um, you know, thinking back on their memory, do you feel the exact same way? Like when their anniversary comes up, do you get all the feels or do you process differently? What does that look like? Um, it's definitely, I, I personally still have hard days, especially mm-hmm. leading up to all of the different dates that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say the first year is the hardest, getting through all the first holidays and and getting through your first due date, like getting through the date, because when you, as a woman, you miss, so I miscarried at 18 weeks, right? 18 and a half weeks. So in April, but from April through September, I was supposed to be married, not married, <laughs> pregnant, <laughs> I was still married, pregnant. Um, I was, you know, and so in my mind, I, I still felt like I should still be pregnant now. Mm. And so once that first due date came, there was another sense of closure. Mm. Um, besides burying our children brought some closure. Um, definitely not, did not move on. Like it was not like we buried and we're, we're good. Like that's not the case at all, but we were able to move forward a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting past that due date was a good, healthy weight lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and, I, and people do it differently and it's not wrong. Some people don't talk about their babies in heaven with their family or with their kids or with each other very often. Mm. And that's okay. Tyler and I have chosen to just make it feel normal. We have, pictures and things to remember them around the house Mm -hmm. um so it's normal part of our conversation Mm -hmm. so i think with each passing time it's definitely not the same because those raw moments those raw days and raw months are behind um more so than anything there's a sweetness Mm -hmm. and uh we look forward to heaven more and our Mm -hmm. kids are now seven and five and they if somebody asks them you know do you have any brothers and sisters? They'll include Trinity and Josiah mm. in that answer. Mm. Um, and so it's not like as heartbreaking and crushing to talk about it mm-hmm. anymore. Like what we don't have, it's more of they're part of our family and we love them. And there's more of a sweetness to knowing that we get to have eternity with them. And the kids will talk about like, I wonder you know, if Trinity and Josiah, you know, are fishing with Jesus today or something like that. Like we just, have, we create sweet, new mm-hmm. and sweet memories of what might be and what mm-hmm. will be one day and mm-hmm. what they, like what the kids look forward to doing with their brother and sister one day. So I think there's kind of like a more sweetness, but for me, mm-hmm. it's like a, you probably know this because you're a professional, but like there's something in my brain that just triggers a remembrance of, Hey, a due date's coming up and you're a month out. It's like at the right at a month before mm-hmm. a date happens, I get triggered. And then I kind of grieve quietly to myself. I'm not like bawling. Sometimes I hit, I still do, but not as often, but it's weighs on me. Um, and it's usually the day of is much better. 
a lot of prep work uh, emotionally your body feels it and so on i heard one one person give this example or illustration of grief he says it's um it's this memory that you carry with you all of the time and Mm -hmm. when you look at it it reminds you of the goodness of god right but for other people and this is kind of this other aspect of you know um there's mothers probably who listen who either um, are not Christian or who are in a difficult spot right now. So um, maybe they've turned away from the Lord, whatever the case is. For them, what are some of the negative thoughts that you've heard other mothers talk about? Because maybe they their faith wasn't strong enough at the time. And I have, he- have heard and seen this happen where some mothers now, they want nothing to do with God. God, you took away my baby. Why would you do that? You know, here we are. We've been faithful to you. So that's why I was asking earlier about, you know, how did it change your view of God? Have you interacted with other moms who maybe had that type of response, whether it be presently now in your church or before? Have you seen any reactions like that? Um, I have not. I The only interactions I've really had are with people who have at least shared their experience with me that's that I know of. Are, are believers who are strong in their faith. Um, now, even as believers, we, I have a whole list of negative thoughts that we have, because um, yeah. we all have those. Um, and there's definitely moments where there is anger mm. towards God. I would be telling a lie if I said I was never angry about it, yeah. um, but I couldn't stay there. Sure. Um, you know, there are, times where I still have to, you know, fight. And I'm assuming people that don't have a faith in Jesus still have to fight too, like of just jealousy and resentment of mm. the people who do have their babies with them. Even though you would never want this, you don't want this on your worst enemy mm-hmm. to occur. But I think what is able to happen is you can be sad for yourself and still happy for other people. Mm-hmm. there's definitely lies that can creep into our headspace that and then they have crept into mine as well uh, that are not from that are not from god and i think that's just where as an unbeliever you don't have that um and as a a believer i think if you walk away from god in those hard moments like you said i i just wonder how strong your faith was mm-hmm. um, to begin with yeah yeah and and you know um it's okay i think it's okay and you've alluded to this to normalize the thoughts and emotions that come because that's part of part of our fallenness like you're gonna get negative thoughts you're gonna have questions that yeah. are unanswered you're gonna have emotions that you don't want to feel but you made the you made a point of but i had to work through it i didn't want to stay there which which involves a level of allowing God to do some work, and also we're reminding ourselves of God's promises. Um, but so the the audience can maybe get a picture of what those kind of phrases or thoughts were. What were some of those negative thoughts that were coming in or emotions? So a lot of it had to do with guilt. Like, is this my fault? What could mm. have or should have I done differently? How did I not know that my baby was dying inside of me? Wow. And we're connected and I didn't know, like, did they suffer? And it wasn't my fault. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even know to sing to them or talk to them because, you know, like, and even if it's a, a ridiculous thought, it's still a f- true yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, whether we know, like I may know, and people tell me it's not your fault. And I know that logically, 
-hmm. but I still feel like it's true um, sometimes. And so I think that that's a big part of, of it. And, and even like, does God, like I talked about my parents (laughs) caring and seeing people like God cares and sees for us. Does God care? And does he see me? Because right now, especially when this happened twice, I feel like, yes, my babies are safe in the arms of God. And like they were born into his presence and he loves and cares that for them. But is he seeing me? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like he's not. And so I think one of the things that Tyler and I did to combat that is that we purposely looked for the silver lining when, when anything big or small happened or people stepped in, we're like, that's evidence of God's love for us and care for us. Mm -hmm. Whether that was like little memorial gifts or somebody anonymously donated a lot of money to cover our burial expenses, Mm -hmm. um, big or small, whether even it was just a note in the mailbox, like remembering that God loves and sees us. Now that is a, um, still a thought. If I'm being honest, that still Mm -hmm. creeps into my head now, like, you know, we're three and two years out. I cannot expect other people to remember all of the dates that I remember. It's not realistic for them and it's not their job, but it does make me feel sometimes like, well, nobody remembers. So does God care? (laughs) But I know that's not true. And then, you know, God will usually do something to remind me that he still sees me. So um, when it is their heavenly birthday, we make them a cake, the boys decorate a cake and we get a balloon and we put it out there where they're buried together. Um, And so for Trinity's third heavenly birthday, I went into a store that I never go into. So I couldn't find the cake mix aisle and I decided I don't have time. I'm just going to ask somebody for directions to the cake aisle. Mm -hmm. And I asked this lady and looked at her name tag and it said Trinity. And I was like, this is not (laughs) a very popular name. And I never come to this store. And I think it's, it was little things like that where I feel like God just had our our paths cross Mm. just to remind me it's been three years, but Christy, I see, I see you and I care for you. Mm -hmm. And this is just my little reminder that like, God had us, you know, meet that day. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I love when that happens, you know, those little reminders yeah. throughout the day. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things that, um, that happens a lot is not feeling connected to the people. One of the things that Tyler shared a lot, he said you guys had a really great community. And actually, um, there there is a lot of uh, data that supports the idea that when someone goes through a traumatic experience, that they have support either before, during, or after they're able to cope a little, a lot better. And it sounds like you guys had a really good support system mm-hmm. there at your church. So that's, I'm really thankful for that. Um, and, uh, you know, so personally scripture, prayer, community, all of those things, what was, what would you say would be most helpful for someone as they're coping? Because we don't want, um, Job's friends to show up when something heartbreaking like this happens, right? Right. Where they start even filling in those thoughts, right? You said, um, you said earlier that I felt like if it was my fault, like I should have known or something like that. And someone might say something that's in trying to be supportive, they actually reinforce or Mm -hmm. kind of put more weight by repeating this message that you're already saying to yourself, right? Yeah. Um, so, so what, what can people do 
to comfort those who are going through a difficult, a difficult time like this? Like what not to do kind of thing. Yeah, so what, what can, those who have not experienced it, because again, the, the, the fact that it happens one in four, you're either going to meet someone or you've already met someone who's experienced this, right? Or you so, are. Yeah. Or, or you are. And so what is, um, what is something that you would, uh, say to someone to help them understand how to help those who are going through this process, what to say, what not to say, or what to do, mm-hmm. what not to do. Well, let me start with the big one of what <laughs> okay. not to say, because what this is a very, say. this is a very popular one. Okay. Do not say to the grieving mother, well, my friend so-and-so has had five or seven miscarriages and then went to have another baby, or they've had five or seven miscarriages, period. Ugh. That is a very, they're trying to make you feel better mm-hmm. in a very wrong way. <laughs> Um, it completely, it's sad for them. We're grieving. We, in this moment do not need more sad news. Also, it completely makes us feel like you are not seeing me and my baby. Mm. The death of my baby is not important because you're just overriding the fact that like, well, that was just one or that was just two, but my friends had five or seven. Mm. So their heart is to make you give you something worse and make you feel better because it's not as bad bad. as, Mm -hmm. but you're negating the fact that their baby mattered or that's how it, that's how it feels. The other thing I would say is do not assume too much time has passed to check in with a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard some people say, well, I don't want to ask because I might make them think of their baby and that would make them sad. Guess what? We are always thinking of our children, the ones with us and the ones in heaven. Um, I maybe on a really busy day, I don't know that there has been an hour that has gone by where I haven't thought of my children. And maybe that's not healthy. Maybe I need to do counseling more, but it's not in sadness that I think of them anymore. It's like a flower, a butterfly or a dandelion are our things that remind us of our two kids. Mm. And it's anything. Or if I see a mom and a daughter, like I Mm -hmm. was this close to having a mom and daughter relationship. Um, So, you know, don't, we're already thinking about our children. What hurts is when people just assume or they move on and they don't ask, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so. um, Why do you think that is, Christy? Why do you think it's that they, that they don't ask? You think they're, they're afraid of something or what, what do you think is going on there? Awkwardness, maybe. Awkward. I mean, I've had some people who also, even in the now, I mean, we're, we're so removed from it. Not so we're a few years removed from it. I have a, a couple friends who have, I'm sure don't have it memorized themselves, but I'm sure they've taken the time to save the dates in their Google calendar. And so they get reminders. So I don't, think that people necessarily will remember or ask me all the time right now about it. But in those, in the months, in the first year, check in with your friends and ask them how they're doing. Don't be afraid to ask them. I think one of the most hurtful things that I experienced was when some of my friends just didn't know what to say Mm -hmm. or how to talk to me. And so they just didn't say anything at all they never reached out to me in any way mm. uh, because I just didn't know so don't not say anything okay. um, even though it's 
awkward for you. If you don't know what to say, just say, I'm so sorry for your loss, the loss of your baby, Trinity or Josiah, or use the child's name. That's the other thing. Use them. If they have a name for their child, use their name. We like to hear the name. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying for you. If you don't know what to say, that's all you have to say. You're not going to say anything wrong or hurtful with that. Um, and then the other big thing is give the great give grace to the mom to skip out on events if you're going to invite her to a baby shower especially in the first year after her miscarriage Mm. give her an easy out um let her know look i know you can be happy for other people but you're still sad for yourself and we want to make you give you this invitation let you feel invited but you are no way Mm. pressure to come or if you need to if you want to come but you need to leave early we're completely understanding people just don't think about that if they've never experienced it and I say that because months after we lost Josiah I was invite invited to a small intimate bridal or baby shower Mm -hmm. and I really didn't want to go I was happy for them Mm -hmm. but the weekend that they were hosting the baby shower was on the due date of Josiah Really? Wow. And so I felt this huge tension of like my ba- needing to have my own emotional boundaries, also not wanting to get there and have an emotional mm. letdown um, and then draw attention from the mother to be, you know? Mm. So just be aware if you've had a friend, especially in that first year, if you're going to invite them, give them an out. Mm-hmm. Don't make them feel pressured. So I think those are the big things, setting reminders on your phone to just reach out to us on a hard day. Um, And then like us, we have older kids, living kids. And so the people that remembered the fact that we had kids that were hurting too was really nice. Um, So somebody got pink bears for Trinity and they're the Trinity bears and we have blue bears and they're the Josiah bears and the kids still love them Mm -hmm. and snuggle them. And then there's some books that some people have given us for our kids. And so just remember if there's kids, older siblings, they're hurting too. And so mm. it's nice to reach out for them, yeah. reach out to them. Chris, you had some strong, uh, the don'ts, do you have some strong do's? Like what can they do on the opposite end? What, what, yeah, you know, people, first of all, the meal train was fantastic. Uh, Tyler mentioned that um, we had a, great group of friends um that set up a meal train like three times a week for months um (laughs) and that was amazing because especially if you're further along remember you're grieving you're bearing a baby and you're healing physically Mm -hmm. so um meal trains you know i would say if you want to do something for a family don't ask what you can do just say hey I would love to come and do your laundry this week and I'm available these days and just say, this is what we're going to do (laughs) or um, any kind of like little mementos or memories in memorial gifts are appreciated. Um, Just say the baby's name, check in with them. um, And really that just praying and letting them know that you're praying is Mm is really nice. So I think like you said earlier, like uh, just the gift of presence, there's nothing you can say. Right. So just be present. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, one of the reasons why, why I thought of, of that is because we, as parents, I think we're already thinking about everything already. We found the solutions, know what God's word says. So no one doesn't seem like anyone's going to add to that. So what they can do best is be present. And to your point, just kind of 
instead of asking, just doing what's, you know, what's right. needed at the time. And I, part of that's too, because we are, like I had mentioned earlier, we're, we are, and especially in those raw days, like when it's all new, we are just trying to do the next thing that we have to do, the next hard mm -hmm. thing. We don't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to think up stuff for you to do for us. Right, right. That's, that's but if you want to take my kids to the park and give them a, a, a break from mom who's sobbing, mm. do that. Because I also have guilt the fact that I'm sobbing in the other room and not being a mom mm. <laughs> doing fun things with my kids, you know? So, um, but yeah, we did have people step in and, and do things like that. Um, you know, my sister had gotten friends together and blessed me with a company to come in and clean mm -hmm. um, the house, a deep clean, which I would never have done for myself, you know, any, if you're a, a good friend of the mom, my sister-in-law, you know, ordered me some really cozy pajamas just because mm. we're still healing and to have some comfortable clothes that are loose fitting because pregnancy clothes don't really fit us anymore. And they're a terrible reminder that we don't need them anymore. Mm. So she just got me some like larger size pajama mm -hmm. pants to wear. Um, so just like things, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And Christy, thank you so much for just sharing again, uh, just your story and, and your perspective on on what it's been like to to trust God through such a difficult process. I know it's challenging for a lot of parents, and your story. I mean, I I still remember three years ago when I saw the post and mm -hmm. feeling that um, empathy and pain of what that what that was like for you guys, and then for it to happen again, it was just seeing how you guys walk through that and seeing how you guys trusted the Lord through that was, was impactful for me. So I know that as you're sharing now, the, the in the ins and outs of everything, I know it's going to be a blessing for people as well, who maybe have gone through it or going through it or may go through it in the, in the future. Um, well, I appreciate the opportunity. Like I yes. said, anytime we have to um, share the story of our children, we want to like, mm -hmm. they, they were, they were created with a purpose. And so we mm -hmm. want to make sure we tell their story. Amen to that. Well, Chris, before we close out here, do you have any final words for the audience? Anything that you just like to say or share? Maybe something that I, maybe something I missed or something that you just wanted to say? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered most everything. So yeah. um, I guess the biggest thing that stands out is um, for me thinking back, um, at least with me, I was noticeably pregnant. And so one week, like going to church, I was pregnant and one week I was not. And it was mm. very hard to go back. And so um, for me, it's hard because I'm like, I'm going to see pregnant people. I'm going to see babies. Who's going to be wondering what happened to my belly? Do they know? Do they not know? Mm. So whether it's a situation like that, that you know of somebody that's experienced a, a loss later on in pregnancy or maybe just earlier in pregnancy, even um, like I had mentioned earlier, I just want to emphasize, I guess, is say something. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, don't have us wondering if you know, or if you care, mm. say, I'm so sorry. And I'm praying for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I think um, you've alluded, you alluded to this a, a number of times throughout, but I just wanted to reemphasize the point that everything that you're feeling, experiencing, thinking that that's all part of the, the human experience, because I think sometimes people feel guilty for having those thoughts and those feelings. So I think for moms and dads out there to, to acknowledge and realize that it's normal, you're not off or anything like that, but 
That's why, as you've been uh, helping us here to understand what it's like to experience that and what we can do to help throughout that process. So I think uh, yeah. I think it's going to be so helpful and, and a blessing for everyone. And I think one, sorry, I have one last thing that I just thought yeah. of. Uh, but for the mom who is struggling to get back out into the community, whether it's in the community at large or on social media, hmm. um, there are babies. Our friends are having babies all the time. Hmm. Um, and we had the day that we delivered Trinity, we had four friends have babies that same day. And on that same day. Oh, wow. And so I knew if I am on social media, I am, it's a chance for the Satan to like give me seeds of resentment and jealousy. Mm. Um, but just, I just want to encourage the, the moms who are grieving, don't let resentment and jealousy creep in. Um, I chose, and I'm really glad I chose, I, I chose to acknowledge that like my friends, I'm happy for them and they have their own stories with grief. Mm. Everybody has grief in their life, not just us. Um, and so I'm happy for them. And I chose that day. I was like, I'm going to choose to look at all their baby photos and like first year, second year, all the birthdays I track with, because that's when Trinity should have been having mm-hmm. her birthdays too. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that's helped me to not become resentful or jealous, um, is to just offer up breath prayers when we are out in the community and we see a very pregnant lady and we're jealous Pray for that baby. Pray for that health, the health of that mom, and then remove yourself if you need to. But that is one thing that has helped me in a day-to-day type of way to get through some hard moments or not allow jealousy to really settle inside of me. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was really good. I know people are going to be blessed by this conversation, blessed by your testimony, and you know, um, ultimately giving Jesus the glory for for how He's you guys praying for your family and um thank you again for doing this yeah i appreciate it thank you so much sam